Hi, I'm Kaylee Moore. And I'm Emma Samasco. Welcome to Freelance Writing Coach, your go-to podcast for building a freelance writing business. In each 20-minute episode, we'll do a deep dive into one area of business with the hope that our insights as successful freelance writers will educate and inspire you. This season of Freelance Writing Coach is sponsored by Ava Gutierrez, a freelance writer who's helped other freelancers quit their jobs and reach their $10,000 per month writing goals. This all happens inside of the client acquisition system, and Ava has a special gift for our listeners. Grab her training on how to make your first $10,000 from freelance writing at freelancewriterframework.com. Learn how to make your first $10,000 as a freelance writer, all while making sure you're working with ideal clients on projects that you actually love. Go to thefreelancewriterframework.com to get access. So everybody wants to know, when it comes to the world of freelance writing, how do you pick an area to specialize in or how do you pick a niche? So we get lots of questions about this, both through our email list, I think, through coaching interactions and on social media. That's one of the most common questions that seems to pop up in my DMs is like, how do I decide where to specialize and should I specialize? Is it smart to say no to opportunities that come your way? And there's a lot of nuance that goes into the answer to this question. We have a lot of ground to cover with this. I'm curious to see how you and I land on the answer to this question. So the first one I want to pose to you is starting at a high level. Do you think it's smart to specialize and to have a niche or an area of specialization? Yeah. I mean, I think that you ultimately need to have something that you do that is unique besides being like, I provide writing services to whoever wants them. But I think that choosing a niche causes a lot of anxiety for freelancers when it doesn't really need to. Like I see a lot of freelancers that are starting out and they're like, I got to choose a niche. I got to choose a niche. And I feel like there's advice out there of like, you need to decide who you are and what you do. And I don't think people need to rush to choose as much as I see them doing. And sometimes I think that the choices people make in terms of what they specialize in aren't actually based in, I want to say like, they're not really based in reality. They're almost based in what their idea of a niche is. So like I'll sometimes see people saying like, oh, I'm a copywriter for a very specific industry when it would be smarter to say like, I do web copy for like a broader set of industries or something like that. What do you think? I think the answer is like most things, it depends. So my personal experience is that when I started freelance writing, I did not have a specialization and I took any job that came my way. And so that was great and that I learned very quickly what I liked versus what I didn't like. And so I got to try a lot of different things. And I think that period of experimentation was really important. That was a really formative learning experience for me. And also like like I said, help me dip my toes into a lot of different things and really figure out what it was that I was good at, what I liked, also what paid the best too, like where I found the most success as far as like, this is a viable opportunity for me business-wise. So I think starting out and allowing yourself to try a lot of different things makes a lot of sense. I'm curious though, like how did you start when you started freelance writing full-time? Were you t- saying yes to a lot of things? Was it specialized? Yeah. So that's a good question. So I feel like my situation was a little bit different from yours in that 
I was working in-house when I started freelancing for a software company. And the way that I got my first freelance opportunities is I was managing the blog for the software company and I was making relationships with people who wanted to guest post on the blog. I was hiring freelancers. I was working with marketers um, at other companies for partnerships and various things. And those relationships led to my first freelance writing job. And it was all in the vein of software and tech, just because like that's where I was professionally at that time. And then when I struck out on my own, I was open about like, okay, I have this experience in tech, but you know, I'm happy to write for anyone and everyone. Like, like you, I wrote for like really random companies. Like, and it wasn't just that I wrote for random companies. It was that the services I offered varied. Like I would take on an email copy project or I would take on blog writing, which was my bread and butter then and and remains a big part of what I do today. But like, or I would do web copy or I would do an SEO strategy project or I would do a landing page or whatever. Like I would just sort of take on whatever there was to get the experience. But I feel like in some ways the niche sort of chose me in a way. But that like brings up for me, like I think there's an inflection point that you reach in your business where you're like, okay, it might make sense for me to specialize a little bit more. Like, I really like this type of work I'm doing. I really like this particular type of client. Like, I think it makes sense for me to narrow it down. And I think some people get into the trap of trying to do that really early. Like I said earlier, like I see people um, have anxiety about choosing a niche and they're like on the hunt for a niche. And I'm like, eh, don't worry about that. Like I feel, so for me, it wasn't until I was in business for like three or four years that I decided to really lean into doing case studies. I was doing them for a long time, but I hadn't sort of put a stake in the ground and said like, no, this is something I really specialize in. I have a process for doing this and really develop that side of the business. So do you feel like you reached kind of an inflection point where you were like, okay, this is where I'm going to specialize in what I'm going to do? Yeah, I would say it was probably a year to 18 months in. I took Paul Jarvis's creative class course and it was very much like, once you find a specialization area, you can charge more, you build up your ethos, your expertise, all of those important things, and you're more positioned to charge higher rate, which was kind of like a light bulb moment for me. I was like, oh, that totally makes sense. And then I'm not starting from zero. Every time I start in a project, you know, it's it's reduces some of that overwhelm that comes with that. And so that for me was like, okay, I'm going to position myself now as a writer who specializes in long-form blog content for these very specific types of companies. And so that for me was the inflection point where, yes, then I started to like build up my authority and what I was doing was stickier to people. And so I, they could point to me and say like, oh, you should talk to Kaylee because she does this one very specific thing. But I think what's interesting, and I think that this might be true for you. I think it's true for me. I think it's true for a lot of people. It's really a matter of like marketing that positioning, that specialization. It's positioning yourself in one way so that you are the go-to person for that, but you still get a lot of opportunities that end up coming your way that might not fit within that cookie cutter mold that you can still choose to say yes or no to on the back end of things. So 
for example, say somebody came to me and they were like, hey, I would really love for you to help us with a website copy audit. I know that this is a little bit outside of what you normally do, but is this something you can help us with? And if it's something I'm interested in and it's something I know about and feel that I can bring value to, that's still something I can decide yes or no, I want to do that. And sometimes yes, sometimes no. But I think that that's a big thing is that people get freaked out and they're like, oh, I have to specialize. And then I have to say to no to everything that doesn't fit within this specialization area. When really it's like a matter of filtering, right? It's like you want to make sure that you're you're not spending a lot of time spinning your wheels, like making sure people are a good fit for the inbound questions that you get. But really it's like it's filtering. Like, is this a good fit for what your core skill set is? And then if there are other things that trickle through on Twitter or uh, your contact form or whatever that aren't exactly within that realm, but are still interesting to you and you want to give it a try, you can do that. And so it's, it's marketing, right? Like it's, it's how you're positioning yourself to the, the external world. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's so much about marketing. I also encourage people to think about niching in terms of the work itself, as opposed to the industry, because I think that people can get get hooked on like, oh, I, I want to work for like beauty companies or something like, I mean, I, I, or I've seen people be like, I want, I'm going to specialize in cannabis because it's like a new growing industry that must need writers. But what I recommend people do is think more about like, well, what's the work that you're going to re- provide? Is Because there's so many different types of writing work. You could be an editor and proofreader. You could be a long form writer, which is like blogs and ebooks. You could be a traditional direct response copywriter, which is maybe things like sales pages and landing pages. You could do full scale web copy projects for bigger businesses, right? So I, and I think some of it too is like, it's choosing like the what also as you're going through it, right? Because then it's easy for someone to say like, oh, you need blog content? Kaylee, because I think clients often lead with the what, right? I don't have clients that get in touch with me that say, we need experience, someone who has experience in B2B software, but they do do that. Um, <laughs> but often they lead with what the work is, right? Like they're like, we need to ramp up our content marketing efforts. So we want a lot of blog content. I do think You talked a little bit about sort of the ability to say no to things and people being worried about the filter. I think that you want your marketing to be open enough and accessible enough that anyone feels like they can get in touch to just ask. And that's why I think when you label things really specifically, like your niche is so narrow. Like I only offer email copy for cannabis companies and someone's like, okay, well, I'm not in cannabis and I don't need email copy. Like never mind, right? Whereas if you're (laughs) a little bit more open somehow and even like offering like a different, uh, an array of services, right? Like I even think that the bucket of long form content is all, like that can include blog articles, case studies, ebooks, guides, like a lot can go under that umbrella, right? So, so much of it is about, well, what are the words you're using to describe what you do? Yeah. So when I think about niches, I, again, I keep going back to like, I don't see people who are like super successful with niches when they filter by industry. Like, I think there's some implication of this is the industry I work in just based on like who your clients are. It's almost like a show, not tell thing. Like, mm, okay, here's like an interesting thing about niching for me. So I pretty much exclusively work with B2B software companies. 
I very occasionally take on something else, but like that is who I serve. But I've always super resisted like writing B2B freelance writer as a headline on my LinkedIn or like including B2B freelance writer in my Twitter bio or adding SaaS to anything that I do. Like I just, for some reason, I really resist it because I don't know why. Maybe that's something we could talk about. I don't think you resist it as much, but I've just felt like I should really be talking about the work. And obviously, if I have a company like Grammarly, like as an example, or Salesforce, their B2B, well, Grammarly, I guess is could be for consumers too, but like they're software companies, right? So I try and just sort of show that I work with companies that are like my clients rather than be like, I exclusively work in B2B enterprise because like if a healthcare company comes to me and their audience is employers and I feel like it's interesting, like I don't want to say like, I don't do that or I just don't want to position myself against them. That makes sense. And I, I think that that's a concern that a lot of people have is like, I don't want to position myself so specifically that I kind of self-select out of opportunities. And so I think what you said about having it be a two-part process makes a lot of sense where you start with a general area of type of writing work that you specialize in and pick a, a bucket to focus on there, whether that's, like you said, blog writing, email copy, whatever it is you choose to focus on. And then part two of that, maybe a little bit further down the road is like, who are the companies that you work with? And so using that kind of as a process to start narrowing down more specifically from there makes a whole lot of sense. And I think that that's what you and I both did. I think a lot of people who found a lot of success have used used that same model as well. So again, like there's still going to be things that come your way where people are like, you have to tell people 13 or 14 times what it is that you do and who you work with before they even remember. So you're still going to get opportunities, (laughs) right? That don't necessarily line up with your positioning and your, your specialization and how it makes sense in your head. So I think that people need to just remember that like specialization, it's not always going to take you out of the running for opportunities that could be cool because people just don't remember. They just don't, it doesn't click for them the way it does for you, right? Yeah, yeah. They're not living and breathing your brand in the way that you are. Like you're sort of overthinking the niche thing there. The client is like, can this person do this job for me? Right. Right? I mean, they care less often about the niche or what the writing on your website is and much more about can they do the job. I mean, it reminds me about our episode in, I think, season one about the freelance writer's website. And we sort of talked about like, is it even important? Does it even matter? And in some ways, our conclusion was like, no. And then I get to the sort of thing where I'm like, does the niche even matter? And it's sort of like, like you said at the beginning, it's like, it depends. It's like, it doesn't, choosing a niche, I guess I'm trying to articulate this here, but it's like, it's not like choosing a niche is going to like make or break whether you can sort of make it as a freelancer But once you have the experience, niching is going to allow you to up-level somehow. And and there's many ways to choose to do it. And I just think it's like a don't put the cart before the horse thing. Like don't try and niche before you've gained like a lot of different experience with a lot of different projects where you've worked with a lot of different people. Like I really encourage people to not rush on this. 
I think one of the super formative experiences for me too with figuring this all out was working kind of in an apprenticeship capacity, which I know we've talked about before, but I was basically subcontracting for another writer who was doing the blog form or the blog content for like a business focused kind of e-commerce type of client. And I was doing a lot of that work and I was like, ooh, I really like this. And so by getting the training wheels experience of working with her and having her kind of give me feedback in an editorial capacity and learning the ins and outs of how that type of work went, I was able to find out like, hey, I'm really good at this. I like it. It pays well. So that was a good experience for me to just kind of approach it through, okay, this person's kind of doing what I want to do. If I reach out to them and say like, hey, do you have overflow projects or do you need help or is there any capacity that I can help you in terms of like outlining or research and then facilitating a learning experience through that type of engagement was really, really helpful for me because I didn't have to go all in with both feet. And I, like I said, I had kind of training wheels, but I still got exposure and experience while kind of minimizing the risk. Yeah. That actually reminds me that I've heard a lot of people have really good experiences working as a freelancer for an agency, which I have done on and off throughout my career as a freelance writer. But like, if you are a go-to freelance writer for an agency, like some kind of marketing agency, and maybe it's a little bit more than just per project work, maybe you're working for them, you know, a certain number of hours per week or a certain number of projects. It's almost more like a part-time job, but not necessarily. But my point is, is that when it comes to the agencies, you don't have to worry about bringing in the work. Because I think that's what you're talking about in your experience with the apprenticeship. You don't have to worry about bringing in the work. You just have to worry about doing the work and making sure that it's done well. And in the process of doing the work, you learn like, oh, I really don't like when an email client comes in or like, I love writing these Facebook ads or the long form blog articles. Can we do more of them? That's actually how I discovered that I liked case studies so much just because I was writing them up for agencies. Like they would give me the transcript and the an outline of what they wanted. And I was like, oh, I should be doing this. I should be, I, I love writing these because they're real human stories and I get to listen to this interview and I should just be offering this as a service, right? So I think that working for an agency that has like a variety of projects coming in is also like a really good way of trying to figure this out. Yeah. Because the the like prospecting and business development side of freelancing can be super stressful and super overwhelming. I, I just saw a tweet this morning that was like talking about the never ending hamster wheel of like, oh, I'm not busy enough or I'm too busy. You know, we've talked, you and I have talked about this basically since the beginning of doing this full time, this freelance type of work. And so if you can remove that from the equation completely by, like you said, working with an agency or subcontracting or finding a person who's like sending you pre-approved leads, whatever it is, you take that off the table and then you get to focus on the work. So if you are feeling super overwhelmed by that, that makes a whole lot of sense. And it's it's part of the process too of like, okay, I've got a wide range of experience with a lot of different types of work. From here, I can start building on top of that and specializing a little bit more because this is what I really enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, again, it's not sort of a rush to figure out the niche. And I do feel like maybe this episode is in some ways geared towards a more beginner freelance writer than some of our other episodes in the sense that I think once you've had a few years under your belt, you're less concerned with this question somehow. What do you think? 
I think it depends. Again, I mean, I know some writers who are well into their freelance careers who still just really don't like the business prospecting, like mm, lead generation, enough. trying yeah. to always find new clients. They just don't enjoy that. So they continue in this type of working relationship well into their freelance careers. And it's just like, okay, I just like the writing work. I don't really want to constantly be you know, trying to get on the phone with people. And I just want that off the table. I'd much rather be an executor rather than like a a business person. So it depends. Do you think though, for those people that they need to be concerned with choosing a niche? Like that makes me wonder a little bit. I mean, I think in some ways the niche finds you based on the work that you do. So it's like, if you're working for an agency and all their clients are software companies, then like that sort of becomes your niche, even if you didn't mean to pick it. And I think that one challenge that we haven't talked about on this episode, but is perhaps worthy of discussion on another is how do you switch? What if you have been working in software and you want to switch to helping solopreneurs? I mean, this is something that I feel like has been a challenge for me in that as I've grown in my freelance career, I not only want to be serving my clients, I also want to be serving other freelance writers, like in the example of this podcast or my coaching services or the speaking engagements that I do. Are there other people that I want to help? I mean, it's even as simple as like I've started offering sales pages. So for a long time, I had web copy, but I realized I don't love doing a full-scale software website copy project. I mean, it's fine, but it's just, it's not really where my heart is, but I love doing sales pages, but sales pages are often something that are written for more like an individual course creator. And that's like not my audience or my niche. So how do you sort of make the switch over that? And I found that so much of it is just like putting a stake in the ground and telling people like, oh, this is something that I offer now, right? Like I've, I've told you that. And now you're, if someone needs a sales page, you're like, oh, Emma might be able to help, right? Yeah. Like you said, I think it's like if you offer those things on the back end and you're not necessarily like marketing them through your website or your marketing materials, whatever those are, but people still know that you do them, those opportunities are still going to come your way. So again, I think that that's a case for like niching and specializing is not a be all end all. It's it's a filtering mechanism to bring it back around a little bit. But I also wanted to ask you, as far as resources for f- helping you figure out your niche or things that were really educational or helpful to you along the way, are there any like books or podcasts or courses, individuals you worked with that really helped you figure this out? No, like I feel like it's still sort of a work in progress for me in a way. I feel like I watch other freelancers do it. I joined a mastermind group and the mastermind group helped me level up and like I redid my website. I thought like, oh, it made me like really internally think about the things that I enjoyed, which is how I sort of got to this like, oh, I really enjoy interviewing people. And I like tried on a lot of other stuff in that process too. So like maybe the community of a mastermind group helped me with that. How about you? I mean, you mentioned the creative class, but Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that kind of helped push you? Yeah, the creative class was one I took early in my freelance career. It's a course that's still available today, if, and it's really self-paced and self-directed. So if that's 
something people are are good with and works with their learning style, I would say that's a great resource. But I will also say that when you and I hosted our retreat a few years back, and we our book that we discussed as our book club uh, discussion was The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. Gretchen right? Rubin, yeah, yeah, yeah. I discovered that I... So I was in the rebel category and I, I learned about myself that I don't do well with like being on other people's schedule. And so for me, that was really illuminating as far as like maybe coaching one-to-one doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me, or maybe like doing case studies where I have to record interviews with people and get a calendar by invite and all that coordinated that, that doesn't make a lot of sense for me because I don't enjoy it. It's, it's not something that I'm great at. And I find myself like agitated when I have to be in those working capacities. So that for me, just reading that book and learning about my preferences and work style. And and I think that was really illuminating. So sometimes it's just a matter of like finding the right book and learning about yourself. You know, that's really interesting that you bring up that book because one of the things I took away from that book, so like I was also like a rebel, but more the obliger. And just for the listeners that haven't read the book, it basically separates people into four tendencies based on how they're motivated. But the obliger type is someone that basically like is really motivated by other people. And so because as a freelancer, like, yes, you have a client who has a deadline, but what I took away from that is like, oh, if I'm in touch with my clients more and I develop more of a relationships with them, then I think I will be a better freelancer and do better work. And it's funny because I was pregnant when we did that retreat. And then when I came back from my maternity leave, one of my commitments was like, I'm going to treat every client like they're my only client and like they're my only job. And I built much better relationships with clients than I had before. Like it wasn't nearly as transactional for me. And I realized that that was like a much better fit for me as a freelancer. Like just not necessarily in that I felt better about it, which I did, but also that the quality of the work that I was able to provide was better because I felt like it wasn't just, oh, here's a blog post. It was more about like, hey, I'm creating this blog post for you and we've talked about it and I know you. And so and that's really interesting that you bring up that book. So readers should, I mean, listeners <laughs> should become <laughs> readers, listeners that should become readers and pick that up because that's 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 maybe a, a good one for understanding yourself. And I do think to end the episode that the process of choosing a niche is so much about you understanding yourself, understanding what you like, understanding what you excel at, even understanding why clients come to you and keep coming to you and what separates you from everybody else. You know, what makes you, you, I think should go, should go with the niche that you select. That makes me think that you and I should put together a worksheet for listeners. So if they are struggling with this, like what are some of the questions they should be asking themselves and thinking about to figure this out. So maybe that's something we should do is put together like a one page, think about these questions, write down your answers and really devote some time to figuring out how you work best, what you're motivated by and what you want to do down the road. Because so often we get stuck in the details and we don't take the time to think about those things or answer those questions. So maybe if you had a prompt that would help facilitate that a little bit better. I think that's something that we should include when we create the the blog content for this episode for sure. Yeah, so keep an eye out for that. We will we'll put that together and and that'll be a tool that you can use. Just again, like it's kind of like a mini therapy session where you're like, who am I and how do I work best? You know, those deep seated questions where you really have to think about it and go inward. 
So yeah, take a look at that. Think about this, let it marinate, um, maybe talk to a fellow freelancer, but start thinking about your answers to these questions and the things that we've talked about here. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Freelance Writing Coach Podcast. If you want more tips, tricks, and resources for building your business, visit freelancewritingcoachpodcast.com.